Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. And I went over to his house and he just like took me and dragged me across his apartment, was just starting to hit me. He took my phone and he took, smashed it into pieces on the ground. And I started running to my car and he started chasing after me and he started kicking the headlights of my car. And I just remember like getting away, going back to my house and like just crying to my roommates, like explaining that this happened. And that was like the start to all the physical stuff. Hi survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry, and this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. Yay, another episode. Another episode. And this one, you know, this young lady's story was really hard for me. I have a real problem with women who, you know, are in abusive relationships and it gets flipped around on them. And it's, um, you know, it's like some of the stuff that I just, I just couldn't believe it, but then I could believe it. And it's just very sad. It's incredibly sad. And when I saw her story on Instagram, yeah, because I had mutual blogger friends with her mm-hmm. and I saw these photos and I was just like, I need to talk to her. I need to be her friend. I need to at least give her support or something because being a survivor, it's so lonely at times. Absolutely. I I completely understand. Uh, But on a a positive note, we've been doing our podcasting course now for, what, we're we're into three or four weeks now? Oh, yes. No. And this week is supposed to be the Ethical True Crime Research Week. Yes, with Haley Gray, you're going to learn all about FOIA requests and all kinds of fun stuff. So having somebody like Haley do your research is a great way as she gives some great tips on how to appropriately do research and get it from like real sources because they're out there. There are real sources out there. You just have to know how to wade through all the bullshit because there's so many online media sources and cesspools of information that you don't know what is what. So she helps us really clear the waters. Yeah, no, and when other creators talk about certain people it's like the game of telephone a lot of the times 100 you just got to get the facts straight you got to get everything down and i like that you brought up your youtube because i feel like people should also check that out if they're needing an extra itch of you <laughs> the call your landry show podcast is exclusively on youtube the video version is on youtube and uh, you guys should check out my channel it's growing i've got like thirty-seven thousand subscribers now it's great I love that. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's growing away. It's great to have other content out there because when you're focusing on one thing like survivors all the time, you tend to go down a dark hole in a sense because the trauma is heavy. 100%. 100%. Well, as I say in the in the show, I'm here to give my my opinion on true crime, uh, mental health and popular society and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> when your dad kills your mom, you got to live life and get through the hard times. And the best way to do that is to have a sense of humor, you know, even though it's dark. Sm- grin and bear it and smile and, you know. Is it around the anniversary of the time that they found her and everything? It, it is. It is very much. Yes. 
Do you feel effects from that as well right now? I do. I do. I haven't been this sad in quite a long time, but I don't want to get into that. But yes, it reminds me a lot of when they said to me, Lieutenant Messmore found your mom, Collier, and and then eternal pause, and she was dead. <sighs> I'm so sorry. It's been rough lately, so but uh, hey, I'm getting through it. So Well, let's talk about Brianna in this episode what she went through. Yeah, it's a harrowing story, but you know, she was able to come out the other side, but uh, let's get into her story. Yeah, let's get into it. Welcome, Brie. <laughs> Thank you. So my name is Brianna. I go by Brie. Um, I'm 28 years old. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. I do travel and lifestyle blogging. So I'm always back and forth between Knoxville and Nashville. I was living there for two years before I moved here to Knoxville. But I'm originally from Sacramento, California. And so I lived in California my whole life before I moved to Tennessee in June 2020. So that kind of starts off the story of how I met this guy that I was dating because I went on this fun trip with my friend, Jessica, to Nashville. I've never been to the South. It was January 2020. And I had this revelation. I was 25 at the time. I was like, I'm going to drop everything in my life. I'm going to move across country. So with that came, you know, a pandemic in between having to find a new job and all that stuff. So I found a Nashville housing group and I I think I made a post or I commented on a post and I just asked for housing recommendations and where to live. And this guy commented on my post and just started giving me recommendations. And it was my sister's 21st birthday. So I was a little tipsy and I was like, okay, like this guy seems kind of cute. And he was flirting with me. And then that turned into us like privately messaging each other, which turned into us FaceTiming each other. And then he was like, what if I just flew out to California to come meet you? And I was like, okay. Like I was kind of skeptical because like I had just met this guy online, like a couple days ago, but I had FaceTimed him. So I knew like, that he couldn't be lying about who he was, but he could still kind of be a crazy person. So I told my friends and they were like, you're crazy for doing this. But I ended up saying, okay, like fly to California and come meet me. And that's kind of where our relationship started. I met him in person. He met my parents. Like everything was great. I ended up flying to Indiana and I met his family, got to see where he's from originally. He was living in Nashville, but we met in Indiana. And then he flew back to California to drive across country with me. We did a whole road trip experience with my two cats. And then that brought me to Nashville. We didn't end up living together in the beginning. I ended up living with two other roommates, but then yeah, that's kind of how we started our relationship. And how did it transpire into the point where it got dangerous? So looking back, 
there was one incident in October of 2020. We were on a trip to Asheville, North Carolina, and we were just laying in bed, like talking about something on our phone. And he had like made a gesture where he like flipped the phone out of my hands and got super angry at me. And it caught me really off guard because I had, hadn't seen that side of him. I had known him for maybe half a year now. We met in April. And he kind of played it off like I was overreacting. And he didn't mean to do it. And it was an accident. I was like, okay. And then slowly a few months after that, I started to really see a shift in his personality. It started off more of like, verbal abuse and manipulation and trying to control certain things that I did, like not allowing me to wear certain things, not being able to go to a certain gym by myself. Like he joined the gym so like he could work out in the Mm. same classes Mm. as me. He like, we would work out and like, he would be looking at me across the workout room and be like, slut. And like, be like, why are you looking at the trainer like that? And I'm like, I'm like doing like med ball slams. I'm like, what is this guy like trying to say right now? Like, so I started seeing like, at that point, I don't know why I was like taking it, but I was like, maybe he's just very like controlling and insecure. So I was just very like, I don't know, blinded to everything that was coming for me. And then in March of, 2021 that's when the first like big physical incident that I could remember maybe there's something before that but you know with trauma like your brain kind of like blocks things out yeah um but during this incident he was very intoxicated and I had just gotten off being on call working for the state DCS and I went over to his house and he just like took me and dragged me across his apartment, was just starting to hit me. He took my phone and he took, smashed it into pieces on the ground. And I started running to my car and he started chasing after me and he started kicking the headlights of my car. And I just remember like getting away, going back to my house and like just crying to my roommates, like explaining that this happened. And that was like the start to all the physical stuff. I just want to point out that in the beginning, because he did that trip to go out to see you, that created that high effect and that like dopamine rush that he would do that. And so that's like the initial draw into the relationship and like the initial hook in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like he slowly was like, asserting his dominance over me and like now being out of that situation I can look back at certain things and just in my mind play back how his true colors started coming out more and more over time so I have a question just Mm -hmm. side note here so wait a minute so Tara are you suggesting that because that guy did that that was a manipulate like he did it to manipulate her in a sense like guys don't do that well like that I mean, it does happen every once in a while, but it's not the norm for a guy to go and do that to go meet someone they haven't met or just connected with over Instagram 
it does happen, but that's like the first effect to this toxic relationship to like get that drawn. And I get Collier, you probably may have done something like that. <laughs> like a couple of times and I'm like, <laughs> it was a really nice thing. I was like, screw it. I got nothing to do. This is like, it looks like a fun situation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I yes, mean, it was fun. But my like, friends thought I was crazy for doing that. By the way, they were like, "You don't know this girl. Like, you've never met her in person. Like, she could be a serial killer." They said that to me, so I was like, "Guys, it's fine. Like, whatever." Okay, but did you tell your friends? Like, well, first, did you buy your plane ticket, or did she buy your plane ticket? Oh, I bought my plane ticket. So what I found out later is he told his friends that I bought his plane ticket to come out to California, and I was the one that wanted to see him. So again, it's like building like his narcissist profile, like, oh, this girl just like bought me an all expense paid trip to California and I'm going to go fly out there to have sex or, you know, like saying something horrible about me that I didn't know until later. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And Collier, that's a diamond in a dozen for guys to do that that aren't narcissists. (laughs) It's a diamond. Did you say a diamond in a dozen? A dime in a dozen. A dime in a dozen. Got it. Yeah. New phrase. I don't know. It's a new <laughs> phrase. A dime. Is that, is it a diamond in a dozen? No, I have no idea. I've never heard either one of those before. So I'm, <laughs> I'm horrible at analogies like that. So I'm just going to go off with what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Diamond in a dozen. Yeah. That's a new one. We're going to call that a terrorism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think what the whole thing is, is that it, it was, he poured on, it's the love bombing. I think is what Tara yes. is really getting at. It's the love bombing. That's the start to the mm-hmm. the manipulation. You can because you can hang you. You know, I think in in abusive situations, we we all hang on to that like one little nugget of like, oh, they were so good that one time. Mm-hmm. I really just she was so nice to me that time she flew out to see me, and then but the rest was just a nightmare. <laughs> and you're just yeah. like, okay. And what's interesting too is like I was dating a guy for three years in California and I broke up with him to move to Nashville. So I had just gone out of a very recent breakup and like I was excited to move to Nashville and like be single. And then this guy comments on my post and I was just like, whatever, like this will be a fun thing. And then I met him and I like he seemed very adventurous. And that's something that my previous ex wasn't. He was like, very kept to himself and wanted to stay home. And like this new guy was like, Oh, you want a road trip across country? Oh, you want to fly here? Like, let's do it. And I was like, okay, like he seems cool. And so like, that's what initially attracted me to him. And then the whole staying with him after abuse and more abuse and more abuse, like looking back at my own like childhood and trauma, like, my dad going through stuff with him, like he would be a kind of guy that would be like, yell at me or do like some catastrophic thing because he was an alcoholic and bipolar. And then like apologize after it and be like, no, no, no. Like it didn't mean to come off that way. Or I wasn't really yelling. Like, I'm sorry. And my ex 
looking back at it now was doing the same type of thing to me. And I'm so used to in my life, yeah, forgiving people. And in also being a mental health professional, I think that I can like help and change everybody and that everyone, sure, mostly everybody has a good side that I can like bring that out of them. So, yeah. Was your ex an alcoholic as well? Or just a heavy drinker at times? I would say that he was an alcoholic because every situation that we did, he would have to drink like heavily. And I mean, a lot of the abuse came from like drunk situations that we were in or like that he would be heavily drinking while I was gone. But he did like abuse me also completely sober. Yeah. Got it. Was there a point where he isolated you from any of your friends? Yeah, he definitely. Besides moving across the country, Tara. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like trying to think back. Even just like isolate you in situations, you know, because that is like something that these people do. Oh yeah. Like even like how I said, like he had to join my gym. Like he didn't want me working out knowing other guys were working out around me. And then like, then it started, like, I couldn't go have girls nights. Like he would have to come out too. Like I couldn't go out by myself or he didn't like certain people because he knew that they were single. And if I went out with them, then like, I'm going to act like I'm single too. Just like crazy stuff, you know? And yeah, he would just always accuse me of like cheating or doing something wrong. And like, he would randomly like show up to my workplace or I couldn't turn my location off on my phone. He had to have my location and know where I was. And like towards the end of our relationship, like he would just show up where I was, even if I turned my location off. Like it was just, it was crazy. So he made you do the location sharing thing. Like he forced you into that. Yeah. And like, if I turned it off, like he would just automatically suspect. My narcissist ex used to do that to me. I had to keep it on all the time. And if I turned it off, she would call if she knew someone who I was with and she would be messaging me. You're, you turned your location off. I mean, it just, it's, it's crazy. And joined the same gym too. Like joined, did the gym joining thing. And I'm like, And it, of course it killed my workouts because it's like, I can't work. It's not, I'm not there at the gym to pick someone up. I'm there to work out. But then yeah. it's like, oh. It, and the fact like he would be like mouthing stuff to me, like across the gym and like, like making faces at me. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's like embarrassing. And then like when we're out in public, like he would like do certain things, like grab the back of me or like, pull on me like if he thought I was like out of line like just doing like controlling things like that it was just nuts did he put you in a harness that's no like he would like pull like my back fat or like pull or like your shirt or like your bra or something yeah yeah me like he would pinch me or like do something and like really really hard out in public but would do it like hidingly and so, like, no one else would see because I couldn't, like, get too far away from him or, like, maybe a guy bumped into me or he'd be like, oh, like, you're pretty. And then, like, I would just, yeah. Would he, would he, because I'm, I have a lot of, I have a real hard time understanding this behavior. <laughs> like, I really do. 
And I've actually, I've actually had to like fake that jealousy thing that you were talking about that he would do with you in a relationship because the girl was like, you're just not jealous enough. And I'll be like, cause I don't, I, cause I, I try I, my bad. I trust you in our relationship. And I would had to fake it one time. I just was thinking about that instance and like, and I literally just said to her, I can't do that. Like, if you want me to be that guy, I can't be that guy. You're with the wrong yeah. person. I can't pretend that I'm jealous because you're at the gym or you're with your girlfriends or like, because I, I don't, because I, I trust you and I don't care. Yeah. I want you to have a life outside mm-hmm. of our relationship. It's so just, it's so bonkers. Yeah. And what's crazy too was later out, I found out like, which is probably why he was doing this because like he was messaging girls on Instagram. That's like, that's what I was going to say. Trying to like hook up with them or like he would be out at the bars, like flirting with people. Like people would say like, Oh, you look like a country music musician. Like he would like play off of it. And like he was in a music video, like flirting with a girl. So like he was allowed to do certain things and cross certain lines and then he was trying to like get a control of me. And like in the end, like it just messed up my brain so much mentally that like the relationship I'm in now, like he's amazing. He doesn't do anything whatsoever like that. But like in the beginning of our relationship, my mind was just so effed up that like I like didn't trust him, even though he wouldn't do anything like his phone would buzz and I would just my brain would automatically think like negative things or like he was out at the bar with his friends. My brain would resort to negative things. It's just, I guess, my brain trying to like protect myself in a way because it knows like I went through some type of trauma with my ex. But, you know, of course, like that made problems in my new relationship for no reason, just because of like everything I went through. So even though I got out of the abuse relationship, like the mental health recovery after that just takes so long. It's like lifelong, you know, it's something that we'll deal with forever. And I think that not, not, not enough people recognize that. Mm -hmm. And, and you just hope that your next partner has enough compassion or understanding or self-awareness or self-confidence to, to, go, okay, it's not me. It's this thing. She's got to work through it. And you guys can, can, you know, be a team in that, you know, and they have to, they sort of take that on. It's like when a, you get, you get into a relationship with a woman that had or man that has kids and they have an ex wife, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, that's yeah. part of the package. Yeah. You know, I think that we have to really understand that. So, so you said that there was, there was this abuse and, but obviously this abuse now starts to get way more violent and way more aggressive and and takes a real bad turn for you. Yeah. So then from March, 2021 to an incident that happened July 3rd of 2021, there was just multiple things in between that. But July 3rd, 2021 was the next big incident where I was like out with my friends. And again, he tried to come find me he was out drinking with his friends and he forced me to leave the situation like grabbed me was making a scene and I was like whatever started drinking and driving with me in the car taking me back to the house so he could yell at me abuse me whatever but he started like punching me and assaulting me in the car while I was in the passenger seat so as soon as we pulled up to like the curb of our house I immediately jumped out of the truck 
and I hid from him. And we were like physically fighting in the car because back then I was sticking up for myself. I was fighting back. Later on, I learned that that only just encouraged him to keep hitting me harder and harder. But I tried to flee the scene because I obviously wasn't trying to fight him. I hid in the parking garage and he ended up calling the police on me and saying that I assaulted him because he had scratches on his neck from me fighting him back. And so he ended up calling the police, I guess. They put a warrant out for my arrest. And I honestly had no idea this happened. Yeah, you said that. I remember. No and remember, I worked for the state of Tennessee. Like, I would go to court for my families. Like, I know what it's like to have someone that has a warrant out for their arrest. Like, you know? And in, 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 in how did he get the arrest? How did they get a warrant out for you? Did police ever come and interview you about assaulting him? Or, like, was there ever any of that interaction? Or was he just able to get a warrant out for your arrest just willy-nilly. Yeah, so that's the crazy thing is the police never tried to come find me. They didn't come knock on the door looking for me. They didn't come the next day looking for me. They didn't call my cell phone trying to reach me. Like when you have a warrant out for your arrest, like they come find you. They knew where I lived. They had my phone number. Like they knew my car that I was driving and my license plate. So a few days went on and we're sitting in the living room and he was like, yeah, so remember that night we got in a fight and I'm like, yeah, being in the toxic relationship that we were in, you know, I ended up staying with him after another abuse fight, but he was like, yeah, so I called the police because I was really worried about you because I couldn't find you and they saw the scratches on my neck. And they were like, oh, we we have to arrest her for assaulting you. So there's a warrant out for your arrest right now. And I was like, no, like, because he had so many manipulation tactics on me. Like, sure. I thought this was another one. I was like, yeah, you're lying. Like, they would be coming to the house looking for me. Yeah. And he was like, no, like, I think there's really a warrant out for your arrest. So I ended up doing background checks on myself and nothing came up. So I was like. This guy's just using this against me. Like, you know, remember, I worked for the state. I could look up people. Yeah, you couldn't find a warrant out? Yeah, I found no warrants, I swear. And so he used this warrant over my head over and over and over to manipulate me over time. And he would be like, you don't want to break up with me. Like, you have a warrant out for your arrest. I can just turn you in. So again, like, I thought this was like a manipulation tactic. Yeah. So anyways, moving on to the next huge incident, it's now end of October 2021. So So when was the warrant? So how long did you have this warrant out for your arrest? July. And then October was another big incident. So that's August. Yes. Three or four months. months. Yeah. Three or four months. Yeah. So it's the end of October and... Another incident of him drinking, coming to find me out with my friends. Doesn't like that. I try and get away from him and I Uber back to the house. He ends up finding me later back at the house. And he comes in just like 
storming, yelling. I'm saying like, I'm done with this relationship. Like, I don't care where I'm going. I'm, I'm leaving. So I start grabbing clothes, like just to get away. I'm going to go live with the friend. I don't care. And he just like knocks me out straight up, like sucker punch to the left side of my face. And like, I don't really remember anything like I was like kind of just standing there foggy and then all of a sudden like I just see blood just everywhere on the floor and I go and look in the mirror and like there's blood coming out on the side of my face like my eyes like my nose my mouth and I literally I just start freaking out and I'm like I have to call the police because I was scared to call the police all this time because he would like threaten me. And they apparently I had a warrant out for my arrest. I didn't know. I honestly didn't care. I just knew I needed help. And he was grabbing clothes from my closet, shoving it on my bloody face. Like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You don't need yeah. to call the police. And I was like, I am calling 911. So I call 911. He goes downstairs and he calls 911, which I ended up finding out later. So he's on the phone telling the police I was abusing him. Little did I know at the time. I was upstairs hiding, calling 911. And then the police come. How much bigger is he than you, by the way? Just to put I mean, a picture of his absurdity. He, I mean, he's not that much taller. I mean, I'm five foot seven. I'm tall for a girl. Like he's probably like six foot, but like the thing is, is when he's drunk, it's like, you know, like people who take meth, like they become like, yeah, 100%, 100%. Absolutely. And like, and at that time I learned to just stop fighting back because he would taunt me constantly in my face and he would spit on me in front of my face and be like, don't you want to hit me? Don't you want to hit me? Like taunting like that. And so I stopped giving into like the taunts, you know? And also at this time, he like knocked me out and I was out of it. So I couldn't like really fight back. So I go downstairs. The police come. I'm covered in blood. You guys saw the picture. Yes, I did. Yes. And like you could even see like the bulge sticking out on the side of my head, like where he hit me. Because it's where you broke your bone, right? You yeah, that's where he bone. ended up breaking my occipital bone. But this is like where things just get like unbelievable. Um, but the police ended up taking him out front and I was inside. And there were two male cops that showed up to the scene. One stayed with him outside and then one stayed with me inside. So, you know, they're questioning both of us, asking what happened, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, okay, we need to come together and talk. So, like, the police ended up coming together, talking for a while, blah, 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 come back. The police officer comes back to me and he's like, so, yeah, we just talked with your boyfriend. And he says, like, you got lip filler recently and that could be why like your lip is swollen. And I was like, like, I was just like in shock. I was like, yes, I have lip filler, but I have a swollen lip because he just knocked me out. 
Only You're like, lip filler doesn't do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm also covered in blood, like literally covered in blood. And he was like, and don't you also have a septum nose piercing? And like, he pushed you and like that came out of your nose and that's could be why your nose is bleeding. And I was like, yeah, he punched me and it made my nose ring come out. But like, he literally punched the side of my face and that's why my nose was bleeding. How did, they, how did they explain the black eye? Was that makeup? So at the time, like, I guess my black eye wasn't like completely formed, but like, you know what a knockout is. I had a bulge. My eye was shut. Yes. I had a fat lip on this side and my nose was bleeding. Anyways, then, then the police go, and don't you also have a warrant out for your arrest? And I was like, I don't know. You tell me. This concludes part one of our two-part episode with Brianna Maloney. Can't wait for part two? Please subscribe to the Survivor Squad Patreon to receive exclusive early access to all episodes. On that note, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.